Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And hello, hello, welcome, welcome, one and all. My name is David Pstansky, and welcome to the Extreme Improv Skill Show. Yes, hope you're having a great day, wherever you are, whatever you are doing today. We are going to be discussing stagecraft. What is stagecraft? How to practice good stagecraft and why it is so important when performing in general, but... Obviously, this being the Extreme Improv Podcast, we'll be looking at it from an improv point of view. Uh, I would just like to take a moment to remind you all that uh, if you enjoy this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, whichever platform you're listening on, if it's Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, especially if you are listening on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Extreme Improv. Do take a minute and smash that red subscribe button. Do share the show out to your friends, neighbours, relatives, enemies, dogs, whoever you want. That will all help the show to keep growing. But for now, stagecraft. What do I mean by stagecraft? It's good, just good practice what you should do whilst on stage. Things that make it so that your fellow performers know that like what you're doing um, is going to be in sync with what they're doing. It's all like reading from the same page, being on the same page with each other, making sure the audience can see you, making sure the audience can hear you, uh, making sure that the um, audience knows where the story is happening at to make sure sight lines work, all these kinds of little things. You know, there is no one specific thing which is stagecraft. It's lots and lots of little things. And if you were in a play or a musical and it was something that you were rehearsing for a number of weeks or a number of days if you're in a film and uh, you're working with a director it's quite unlikely that you're just going to be improvising it's going to be that you're directed like when to make your entrances uh when to go over and pick something up like where to stand and then, and these things will be worked on with you by the director you'll certainly have the freedom to try things out that is like okay let's run through a scene and then you're just going to go on you know what lines to say and then you'll you'll say them you'll go through them you'll put in whatever like feeling or emotion or 
inflection and intonation in your voice. And the director will watch it and then they say, okay, I like that, but perhaps on this line, could you go over there? Perhaps on this line, you know, could you have your back to uh, this character just so that when you turn around here, it's more powerful? And this is what's known as blocking. So the the interesting thing about the word blocking is that it's it's used in various ways. So blocking generally will refer to working out the choreography of a scene, like the positioning of the actors. But blocking, especially... Uh, well, blocking can also mean that, oh, you're blocking me so that the audience can't see me. It can also refer to the physical stage. So if you have stage blocks, then they are blocking. And, of course, in improv, blocking is most commonly referred to um, to mean blocking of an idea like the not accepting of someone's offer of an idea so blocking can mean lots of different things now in terms of stagecraft though what i really do mean is the choreography of the scene so the director or between the actors you will work out the choreography of a scene where everyone's standing when people are going to move and so on and so forth and that's a big part of getting stagecraft down is just like knowing without having to be told just what some good practices are. Also, making sure that you're not physically blocking another actor, that you're not upstaging yourself. So if you're on stage, and I've seen this lots and lots of times in improv, characters will just be in their heads about what they're saying, what they're what point they're trying to get across in the scene and they'll turn to the other actor and it's only natural because that's what we do in real life when we're when we're talking to people we usually face them and if you turn to face the person you're working with on stage just as you would in real life it's a toss of the coin just depending on where you and the other actors stood whether you know you may be facing downstage if they're downstage, or you may face upstage if they are upstage. And if you do that, that's what's known as upstaging yourself. And the amount of times I've seen people do it in improv, where they'll just turn and face the person they're talking to, and it's like, hello, you're forgetting the most important people in the room. That's your audience. So it's known as cheating. So remember this word, cheating. You want to cheat things out to the audience. So even though it may be realistic and natural for you to turn and face the person you're talking to, you might just want to turn your body, even if you don't turn your face fully, towards the audience. Now, that doesn't mean you face the audience, but there's lots of times when you can be speaking to people just absentmindedly. You might not be facing them directly. A lot of the time when you speak to people in real life, you will face them. But it's perfectly acceptable, just as you're doing something, you know, busy with your hands or um, whatever else, that you may just turn away. And it may be that you turn your head away, just as you're thinking about something, and then occasionally you look back. And this is something which just helps your audience stay connected. It just clues in your audience to what your character's thinking, because I've said this lots of times before on the podcast so much of the storytelling happens on a person's face because and here's the interesting thing we will naturally turn to the person we are speaking to 
And the reason we do that is because we want to make sure they're paying attention to us. So we want to see that they are um, looking at us and that we have their undivided attention. But also we want to see their face so that we can read their expressions so that we can get a sense of what they feel about the things we are saying and doing. Now, if you were turned away from the audience, it might mean that your scene partner gets to see what you're thinking, gets to read your reaction. But the audience cannot. If they cannot see your face, they lose so much. So this is just something which is a very simple thing to fix, but so many improvisers um, just routinely don't practice this little itty-bitty thing of good stagecraft. Just make sure that your body is turned out towards the audience. Of course, if you're moving, if you're transitioning across the stage from one position to the next, then yeah, you might turn your back to the audience for a second, but then you'll need to think about your volume, which is another very important part of stagecraft. Now, one of the things that lots of people who are not actors or have like an amateur dramatics background may know is the idea of like a stage voice or a stage whisper and all this sort of thing and yeah these are things but what you don't want to do is go on stage and put on a stage voice no what it just basically means is you want to project your voice and just make it so that people can hear you so when you think about it you can go into a space, whichever space you're going to be performing in, and you can get another actor or director or whoever is with you to go stand at the back of the room. And then you just want to speak in your normal voice. And depending on the size of the room, you'll probably find that you can't be heard that well because even in a relatively small or intimate performance space just speaking in normal speaking voice unless you have a naturally loud voice or you're a trained actor and your now neutral voice is a little bit more stage voice just by default because it happens you're going to find that people can't hear you at the back of the room so it's about having the same quality that that you would when you're performing that sorry that when you're speaking normally but take that into your performance so you know, nobody speaks like this. Uh, it sounds like I'm trying to project my voice for stage. And, I, and I'm doing this, obviously, I'm speaking on a microphone for this podcast. So there's, it, it's funny because there's a limited amount I can demonstrate um, efficiently on a podcast like this. But you'll know what I mean from that quality. This over the top, I'm in a Shakespeare play kind of voice. And it's like no one speaks like that. And if you think that, oh, I'm going to be in Shakespeare and that's how I should speak, uh, that's probably wrong. Now, if you're doing improv and you suddenly have to like do a game like Styles Clash, um, film and theatre styles, etc., and suddenly you're doing Shakespeare, then, then you might do that, just because it's what people recognise as, oh, this is the bad Shakespearean voice that people do. So you could use it there, but generally you would never ever speak like that on stage. If I'm speaking like I am now, then this is somewhat my normal speaking voice. But the very fact that I'm doing this podcast, I am trying, even though I'm going ah and like this, it's because I am just speaking off the top of my head. I am improvising. But I am also thinking, right, I need to make sure that my 
words and sentences go uh, have this, the same amount of power and volume throughout from beginning to end. And this is like voice work, of course. You know, it's not just about like the stagecraft of it, but it's... Um, it's it's about making sure that, okay, can I be seen? Can I be heard? So these are things that you want to work on. So you can get people to check your volume. Okay, if I turn my back to the audience, can they still hear me? Oh, they can't. And it's because you're simply, you're throwing your voice in the wrong direction. You're throwing it away from the audience. Uh, it'll be slightly more muffled just from the fact that you've turned away. And that's something you can work on as well it's like right if i do need to put my back to the audience what do i need to do to adjust my volume so that i can still be heard now it's it's not going to be something that happens continually um but it's going to be something that if you can get to grips with it and so you've got it in your toolkit then it's going to be useful for you so, also a thing with stagecraft is, like I mentioned earlier, about blocking. It's about not standing in front, or I was going to say your opponent, not standing in front of your scene partner. It's going, and this is a very simple one, and the tip for this is, if you think you have stood in front of your scene partner, or if you feel that your scene partner has stood suddenly behind you, then just like adjust your position don't make it obvious oh, oh you're i'm stood in front of you or something like this just naturally take a step or two away if you've got someone stood in front of you um don't don't do the amdram thing and i don't i'm not going to rag on people that are doing amdram because people enjoy doing it and whatever but you can usually tell when someone hasn't got training or hasn't got experience hasn't looked into it and even just listening to this podcast is a way that you are looking into what you can do to improve your skill set, taking on my ideas, adding what works for you to your toolkit and discarding the rest. And so what I'd say is that just find the natural reason. Often it's good if you're just walking because someone's walked in front of you, find the natural moment just to step away. Just like if you've got a line, it's like speaking and like taking like taking a few steps as you start saying a line is a great opportunity to do it because people do naturally move about when they are speaking. You know, it helps them think. It's just a thing which is very natural for people to do, and you can use that as part of the impetus for like right. I'm saying a line. This is my reason to move. Also, um, you want to give focus to the person speaking if you're if you're in a scene and there's two of you in it as i mentioned earlier if you're the person speaking you might not always be looking directly at your scene partner now you might look at them if it makes sense that right i'm trying to absolutely make a point to this other character but you might find that okay if i really want to get something across for the audience there's going to be times where I just cheat things out towards the audience, open things up, so the audience can see my face, they can read my reaction, they can read my expression. You don't want to do it constantly. There was a actor in the old British carry-on films, like a series of 31 films, it wasn't in all of them, but he would notoriously turn and face the camera. And what this would mean is that his scene partner would then be looking at him, 
and it would be drawing the audience's eye to him and it's kind of a cheeky thing to do because it's drawing the focus away from them and giving it entirely to him now when you think about a group scene if there are several people in a scene and you can't all be talking at once one character or two characters might overlap here or there if there's some spirited conversation but generally it's going to be one character has got the floor at a time. Of course things might be conversational and of course things might be so that it's back and forth with lots of characters having quick paced dialogue. But what you want to do is, if you're not talking, just give your focus, look in the direction of the person who is talking. This will mean that when the audience look at you and you're not talking, they will see you are looking at the person who is talking and then it will draw their eye towards that person. Now, if you are a selfish improviser or selfish actor, you might do the thing I mentioned a minute ago with Charles Hawtrey, where you think, well, I'm just going to look outwards, and this is going to be about me. And there might be times where it's the right choice that things should be about you, or the audience will care about your reaction to something specific. But generally, if someone's got the floor, give them the floor. Give them the focus, and it will be their time to shine. But this isn't just about making it their time to shine, it's that if what they say is seen as important, when you then pick up the baton and take control of the scene, because what the other person has then said has been important, it means if that you're bouncing off of what they've said or done, then suddenly you continue their importance. So you take the baton, it's been raised up to this level of importance, you take over the scene, you take control of the dialogue, and then what you say is important as well. So these are a few tips about what you can do to practice good stagecraft. I'll definitely do some more episodes like this in the future, but just to reiterate them again, make sure the audience can see you. So cheat things out towards the audience. The storytelling is on your face. Make sure you're not physically blocking your scene partner. So don't stand in front of them and just practice a couple of minor adjustments should you find that someone stood in front of you or should you find that, oops, I've stood in front of someone, they're not moving, so okay, I guess I will take a step or two. And and in the case of that, just to go into it a tiny bit deeper, look, it might be super important that your character stays still or there might be times where you can't move. And... You know, if you're all doing improv, then it kind of is what it is. The scene will only last a few minutes. Um, and generally in improv, there won't be any reason why you you can't move. You can usually find the reason, unless your character's dead or dying or paralysed or something like this, or a statue, you should be able to find some wiggle room to give the excuse for your character to step away. Um... But, like, generally, if you're just acting, if, like, something happens and you're in a rehearsal, hopefully it won't ever get to the stage where you are on stage and someone messes up the blocking, then that'll be down to the director or to discuss with the director, say, hey, someone keeps standing in front of me, can we look at this scene? And then you can figure it out there. Most things are salvageable like that, uh, but that's something that generally in a play or a film you'll sort out in rehearsals. Um, And what the tip I would say is... Again, if you have a director, if there is a director in the room, and when it comes to improv, sometimes it will be that there's just someone who's like the director of the company, the person who's in charge of 
like running the show and often they might be in the show as well and what I would say is you know you can you can say things to your fellow actors about like oh yeah you know I kept noticing this but it's better just to say like if you have notes afterwards or if the director isn't doing notes just say hey there's just a quick note I'd, I'd like to raise and bring up and go over is that I feel like people kept standing in front of me or this person kept standing in front of me and say it to the director because then the director should take the responsibility of saying, okay, look, we're going to address this or this person keeps turning their back to the audience or this person, look, I, can, I can barely hear them in the scenes. Perhaps we need to go over some vocal exercises or a warm-up before the show and just to give pass on the note that this person, for me, I think needs to be a bit louder and then the director... They will decide. Are they going to agree with you? Are they going to say no? I, th- you know, for me, you know, if I was in the audience or wherever I was, I think their volume was fine. You know, not everyone's always going to agree, but hopefully a director will say, okay, look, I take that on board. You know, I might give a general note or I might give a specific note, and then the director will be the person who you should raise this to. Who should then, if they, um. If they make it right, if they make the judgment call and it's correct to do so, um, hopefully they'll be a good director and then they'll address this. Sometimes, though, you can find that you'll run into problems if you think that, well, look, I'm just going to discuss this with the other actor myself. And say you're in a two prov, like you're in a two handed improv where you're both equal, then that comes down to negotiation between the two of you. Um, if If you start trying to say hey look this is a problem yourself then sometimes you'll find that you just like you know create some conflict within the group or create some sense of um this person's bossing me around and that can cause disruption in the dynamic of the group um some people won't mind but it's just something to be mindful of you know because um it can sometimes lead to disgruntlement between specific performers and you want to keep the feeling of team and teamwork there which of course can mean that you know if if you've got some concern some complaint some issue that someone's doing something and it doesn't work for you you should be able to raise it but again just raise these things with tact and if possible go through the director as the first port of call um unless of course you think the going through the director they'll just be like hey why are you making an issue about me to the director so again just judge it you know use good judgment um but then what else was there so yeah then practice good vocal work you know make sure the audience can hear you make sure you're not blocking people make sure you're not uh, upstaging yourself cheat things out to the audience use different levels i didn't speak about this so you you know is your character stood up this comes into like status and all kinds of things as well but is your character stood up are they sat down are they stood at the back of the stage are they stood at the front of the stage all of these things will read as different um things for the audience if you're further away from the audience because you're at the back of the stage it might make you seem powerful because then you are surveying over everyone else on stage or it might make you seem isolated. A lot of this, you know, might make you seem small to the audience because you're further away. So there's a way of justifying all of the different positions on stage having basically any meaning you want to. But these are things which, when you think about them, you can think, right, if I stood at the back of the stage and 
you know, I stand tall and, you know, my dialogue is going to support it. I might seem a very strong character. But if I'm in a scene with someone and they are stood facing away from me at the front of the stage and I'm going to stand at the back and I'm going to fold my arms, then it might seem that you're very, like, lonely, isolated, and it can have that effect. So... None of these things will just be one thing in isolation, but it's it's a combination of, right, if I do this and I stand like this and I have this expression and I say these words with this uh, intonation in my voice, what will it read to the audience? But, again, whilst that kind of does sound like I'm saying, well, anything can mean anything, having the knowledge that you as a performer like can know that, well, look, anything can mean anything. But if I do this, what might it mean? And if I stand here, what might it mean? And if I turn my back this way, what might it mean? Rather than just doing things and thinking, oh, well, this could mean whatever anyway. If you know that, look, if I stand like this and I speak like this at the same time, it's going to mean that I'm strong. If I stand like this and I put on a weak voice, then it's going to mean that I, you know, I'm a weaker, lower status character. And just having the understanding and thinking about these things, about, right, if I do this, what does it mean? If I speak like this, what does it mean? If I do this with my voice, what does it read like to the audience? These are all things which are practicing good stagecraft. Like, what am I doing with my hands? Am I just playing with my hands? Am I putting my hands in my pockets? How does that read? If I'm doing a Shakespeare play or Shakespearean character and it's an improv scene... And I just put my hands in my pockets. Does that read correctly to the audience uh, for this to be Shakespeare? Now, you might be subverting the audience's understanding and expectations of what Shakespeare is by doing it. But if you're going to do that, make sure that you're doing that purposefully, not that you're just absentmindedly putting your hands in your pockets. Always have the awareness of what you're doing on stage. Always have the awareness of where the audience is, whether they can hear you, what they are seeing, what they're seeing on your face. Are you shifting your weight to one side? Are you stood strongly on both feet, planted, like with your weight centred in your body? All of these things. Have the awareness of what you're doing. And if you have the awareness, then you are in control. You have the power and the ability to make the decisions to tell the story that you intend to to the audience. Because the audience are going to interpret what you're doing in their own way anyway. All audiences based on their life experiences and understanding of the world and everything else, they're going to read something slightly different, every single one of them. But what you can do is to think, right, if this is the story I want to tell, or we as a group want to be telling, if I th I think if I do this X, Y, and Z, then it should read as X, Y, and Z to the audience. You don't want it to be that you're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's reading as A, B, and C to the audience, because then, in your mind, you're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's like, right, my character is this kind character and everything, but if you're doing something where you seem... Uh, standoffish, aloof, uncaring, just because you put your hands in your pockets, then the audience won't be seeing you as kind and caring. They'll see you as standoffish and aloof. So think about what you're doing, practice good stagecraft, and it puts you as a performer in more power and more control over the scene.
Anyway, I really am going to wrap this one up here. I will do more stagecraft and general acting ones and transferable skills-based extreme improv skill shows podcasts in the future. Once again, I'll ask you to take a moment, head over to youtube.com forward slash extreme improv, smash that subscribe button. Like, literally, when it gets to this part of the show where I have to say, hey, go click like on something, go click subscribe on something. One, I can't emphasize enough how how important it is to be able to grow the channel. So, like, literally, I get you might not want to listen to all of the podcasts or you might not want to watch all of the live streams we do. But so many people, if you've got a YouTube account, if you've got, like, an Apple phone and you can just click that subscribe button, if you think I've earned it, if you think extreme improv shows and um, extreme stuff is good, then just click that button. It's free. And then even if you never listen to stuff again, you know, if this one thing has been useful or entertaining, it will just help us out. Because the higher the numbers are, the more the platforms, the podcast sites, the more the um, the YouTube channel and stuff, the more it will push it out for other people to discover. And I really appreciate that. If you want to find tons and tons more stuff of Extreme Improv Extremed, the best place to go to is the new website, which is a few months old now, which is www.extremed.tv. And that is stylized, spelt X-S-T-R-E-A-M-E-D dot TV. So streams like live streaming. So it's streamed, but it's X-streamed with the X in front. No E. So with that, my name is David Postansky. I am going to say to all of you... Hope you have a great day. Hope you have got some fab improv to be doing. Last thing I will plug, actually, is... And this this always dates things and goes old, but whatever. It's a product of its time. Extreme Improv will be returning to live stages at the Aylesbury Waterside Theatre on Friday, September 24th. And then at the Cockpit Theatre in London on Sunday, October 17th. Sunday, October 24th and then Friday the 3rd of December. Currently they're the only live shows that we've got planned for the remainder of 2021 just as we're dealing with this whole pandemic situation but hope to see you there and stay safe always stay extreme and ciao for nows. <laughs>